Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Hi, everybody. Welcome. It's good to be home. (laughs) Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did God enter human history through a man named Jesus? Why did God appear on the earth in the form of a baby who grew up into a man? Why did he do that? Ideas, suggestions? Why did he come? Say that again. To save us? Great answer, excellent. To do what we could not do? Yes, so true. Take back what was taken away. Mm, Very good. This side has all the answers. How about this side over here? (laughs) We have smart people over here too. Why did Jesus come? Right back here, louder. The Father sent him to save us. Very good. I heard something down here. To demonstrate God's love. All very good. To know him more. To reconcile us with the Father. To redeem all that was lost. All excellent. All very good. I want to show you what Jesus had to say about that. All of those are true. But Jesus answered it in a larger way. Let's put up the next verse. For this I have been born. For this I have come into the world. To testify to the truth. Now, all of your answers were correct, but the truth is a much bigger package. He came to testify of all truth. It's interesting the way he said it. He didn't say, I came to speak truth. He didn't come to tell you the truth. He said, I came to testify of the truth. Because we've drifted so far from the garden, Jesus came to redefine everything. He came to redefine how we see God, He came to redefine who we are. He came to redefine how life really works. Jesus created a paradigm shift. He came to shift our worldview, to change the way we think, the way we perceive reality because the enemy is a deceiver and has been at work ever since the garden. And we've drifted so far away from our original, from his original plan. Jesus came to redefine everything. You know, oftentimes when we read scripture, or oftentimes when Jesus spoke, at the time, people didn't get him. Because his teaching was outside our realm of experience. It was outside our common understanding. You know, even today when he speaks, oftentimes we don't understand I remember when Terry and I were first starting out, we lived in this tiny little apartment, and we were talking about one day buying a home, and we figured we'd have to save money for a long period of time, and we were just dreaming and talking about what we would do. We had this 10-year plan, and one day, out of the blue, shortly after that conversation, the Lord said to me, you're going to build this house sooner than you think. And it was so real, it was so concrete, I immediately shouted out to Terry, I said, hey, You'll never believe what the Lord just said. He said, we're going to build this house sooner than we think. 
And she said, yeah, right. How's that? I don't know. I'm just telling you what he said. Within a year, we had groundbreaking. That was back in 1990. All this to say that when you hear from God, when you read scripture, realize you are reading thoughts from God. And we need God's spirit to truly understand it. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know, that we might know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. We need the Spirit of God to be able to understand the thoughts of God. Just like you can't understand my thoughts, not truly understand my thoughts unless you were me, unless you had my Spirit in the same way, we cannot truly understand God's thoughts unless we have Him unless we have his spirit within us. God has something for you today. He wants to redefine you. He wants to redefine life in such a way that you will be blessed. That's his desire because God is love. He wants you to be blessed. Now, even that right now may not have a place to settle inside you. It may not have a place to land because, like I said, the enemy is a deceiver. God came to redefine all of that. So I want, to, I want to prepare you to be challenged in your thinking, to be challenged in your being, because you know how you have some favorite preachers? We watch them on the internet or on TV, wherever. Got some favorite speakers out there. The message we're about to hear right now, this is from Jesus. And he's sharing the ideas of God, and you have to realize it's going to be very difficult to understand and to receive and to apply without his help. We need him to do that. So having said that, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you've not left us alone to go around in the dark, but you came and brought light through your son, Jesus. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, as we spend time here this morning, will be our teacher, that you'll be our revealer, and that you will help us to see things we could not see by ourselves. And Lord, not just see it, but able to receive it, to, to lay hold of it. And Father, I pray that you would make it real and alive inside each one of us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The drama was intense after Jesus was baptized. If you recall, he was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, where he was tempted, where he was tested by Satan himself. And then after that, he went, and the Bible says he resided in Capernaum. There it is on the map. The little red icon at the top, 
The body of water there is the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is located on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Scripture says he went and lived there because there was a prophecy by Isaiah that said the people who lived in that region saw a great light. And Jesus lived there to fulfill the word that was spoken by Isaiah. While he was there, that's where he met Peter and his brother Andrew. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then they began, he began to teach in the synagogues and he began to heal the people that were there. I tell you, after the first miracle, everybody started bringing their family and friends. And people, word spread like wildfire. They, it, people started to come from all around the region. In fact, huge crowds began to come and follow Jesus. And in Matthew chapter four, it says he healed every single one of them. Like, wow. Just imagine a crowd of thousands of people paralytics, people who can't see, people who are epileptic, and all of them, all of them are getting healed. I tell you, it became a phenomenon. And so now we have this crowd, thousands of people who are following Jesus. And he goes up on a mountain, and he begins, he begins to teach. And that's, that's the setup, that's the scene that we're here now in Matthew chapter five. And so if we can go to the next slide, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and he taught them. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, in today's society, so many people are all about happiness. Being blessed and being happy are two different things. Happiness is based on circumstances. I get a new car, I get a raise, I get a new girlfriend, boyfriend, just got married, whatever it is, we're happy. Unfortunately, circumstances are not consistent. Things change. You wake up the next day and I'm in a bad mood. And happiness is gone. But to be blessed is a completely different thing. To be blessed means to have the favor of God. To be blessed means to have the favor of God. And in this passage that we are going to read, Jesus uses that word nine times. The word blessed nine times. So what's happening in this passage is Jesus is actually explaining the blessed life. He's explaining how you can experience his blessing, the blessed life. How is it that we can have the favor of God? Well, the first thing he says, remember, these are the thoughts of God. It's going to challenge our thinking. He says, you are blessed if you are poor in spirit. And if you're hearing that for the first time, most likely there's a question mark like, what? That's a blessing? I don't think it's a blessing to be poor. Do you? But Jesus says, you are blessed if you are poor in spirit. And so what he's talking about here isn't just finances. He's talking about the resources and the richness of your being. There are people who are very gifted, highly intelligent, very talented. Everything just seems to go their way. It's like they touch things and they turn to gold. And you would think they are blessed. But the truth is, people who are very rich inwardly, they do not see their need for God. 
They are self-sufficient and they are independent. And as a result, they will not experience the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is anywhere that God rules and reigns. And if I think I'm all sufficient and I don't need anything, then I don't need God. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see the kingdom of God. If we sense that we have a need, if we sense that there is a poverty of spirit within me, Lord, I I don't have all that it takes to live a blessed life, then you are ripe and you are ready to experience God in your life. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now I remember when I was just a young Christian, I was only six months old in the Lord. And this is really a confession. I, I have to admit that when I became absolutely convinced that God was real, it took me about six months to come into that realization. Even though I had prayed to receive Christ, we know a lot of young Christians, even when we're young Christians, we can have doubts about who God is. And is he really, am I experiencing, is this real? What's going on with me when your life starts changing? And so I was in that place. But I eventually got to a point where I thought, man, I am absolutely convinced God is real. Then I had to ask myself, what am I going to do with that? And I I have to confess, I, I chose to to keep the kingdom of self. I didn't want to acknowledge God. I didn't want him to be Lord in my life. And so I tried to run away. I ran away to Hawaii. I didn't know that God was there too. And I ran into some financial problems trying to go to school in one of the most expensive places in the world. And the Lord used that circumstance to break me of my pride and my independence. See, I thought I was rich in spirit. But he used that circumstance to help me see my need. And in my brokenness, I was in a public place out on the street, and I sat down on a curb, and I put my head down between my legs like this, just kind of curled over, and I was crying. And I said, God, I'm sorry that I turned my back on you. That was my confession. That was my way to apologize. I said, but I need you now. And I tell you, I look back after a year, and God had provided for me a place to stay, to be able to go to school, even provided a car for me. And I was just blown away that I first, for the first time in my life, I realized God actually loves me. And I I thought he was a big cop in the sky who wanted to rain on my party and tell me to cut it out. And so, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I have seen it over and over when people go through hard times, and I ask them, would you be willing to let Jesus come and be with you in the pain of your memory? And if they say yes, I have seen it 100% of the time. The Lord is faithful, and he comes and meets them. They have an encounter with God, and they experience healing and peace and rest when they encounter God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So what is meekness? That's not a term that we often use nowadays. Meekness means power that is under control. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest person who ever lived. Now, if you recall the story of Moses, Moses came from the palace of Pharaoh. Moses came from a background of power. Moses thought he had so much power, he had the right to take somebody's life, and he took an Egyptian's life. Moses was a murderer. 
Moses wasn't this wimpy guy. Moses was a person who exercised his control, unfortunately in a bad way. Later, after he had been tempered by God, Moses became a man who had power but under control. The Bible says he was the meekest man who had ever lived. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Just think about those terms for a moment. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst are two of the most powerful drives that we have in our physical body. I mean, just think back to a moment when you were really thirsty and you just could not wait to get a hold of a cup of water. And Jesus is talking about that level of desire where we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. You know, the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness wants to be like Jesus, wants to follow in his steps and live a life of holiness and purity. He wants to live in fellowship with the Father just as Jesus did. The thing is, we can't attain righteousness in our own effort. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of things that we did in our righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. It's actually a gift from God. It's received. And because it's received, the person who desires it will be satisfied. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You've probably heard this before, but this is a good reminder to to put it here now. We live in a world of cause and effect. We live in a world of cause and effect. The Bible calls it sowing and reaping. If you judge, then you will be judged. Even those who are not Christians who don't know the Bible, if they're observant, they see this in life. You heard the saying, what, goes, what comes around goes around? People are observing this principle. It's a universal principle in the world. But if you are merciful, then you will receive mercy. That's the way it is. Jesus is talking about how we need to be in order to experience the blessed life. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to talk about being pure in heart on two levels. One is in this life. And the one is in the life to come. In this life, the Bible says no one has seen God, not even Moses. He was hidden in the cleft of the rock. He only saw the trail of God's glory. But nobody has seen God face to face. Nevertheless, you can experience God by faith. You can live in a way where you sense God. You can live in a way where you sense God in everything, or you can live like you don't sense God in anything. James said, to the pure, all things are pure. To the impure, nothing is pure. In eternity, those who have received Christ and received purification from sin, received purity, will be there to see God and be in his presence forever. In verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. The whole reason that Jesus came was to make peace between us and God. And then he gave us the role to carry that out among other people. He gave, it's called the ministry of reconciliation. This is God's heart. 
that there be peace, not just between us and God, but in our relationships at home, that there'll be peace and unity between husband and wife, between parents and children. Malachi said um, that God's heart is to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. This This is God's heart. And so when we're peacemakers, we are sons of God. And then the last three verses, I want to put them all together. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If I could just summarize and try to crystallize the heart of what Jesus is saying here. There are two main fears that everybody has, fear of rejection and fear that our needs will not be met. And usually because of fear of rejection, we try to please people. And sometimes we will do that at the expense of our own conscience. Somebody may invite us to do something we know it's not right, but because we want them to like us, we don't want them to reject us, we just kind of go along with it. And what the Lord, what Jesus is saying here is that if you will make him and pleasing him more important than pleasing people, that you will be blessed. And sometimes that means that people will actually be angry with you. They'll be upset. They might even attack you because you're standing up for what is right. And the Lord is saying that if you will not bow down to fear, the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. Do you know what a snare is? A lot of people think of it just as a trap, but a snare is a special kind of trap. A snare, when an animal gets trapped in it, it has sharp pieces of metal, and as they struggle to get loose from the trap, the pieces of metal actually cut and shred them to pieces, and that's how they die. The fear of man is a snare. It will shred you to pieces if you're hooked by it. God is trying to explain how we can be blessed, and he's saying, put him first, Please him first. Don't bow down to fear and what other people think, and you will experience the blessed life. Amen? You know, when Jesus spoke, he only had 30 years on the earth. Everything had to be crystallized in seed form. Each one of these areas are actually entire categories that can be unpacked and developed. Uh, For example, peacemaking, one word. But there are entire ministries that are formed out of being peacemakers. Uh, Ken Sandy has a ministry called, it's a good book to read by. Uh, It's called Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. I highly recommend it. Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. It's an entire ministry of peacemaking. He was a lawyer. He wanted to help people. He felt like the law did not do enough. He wanted to go into something that was deeper to really address root causes and to bring resolution. And so he developed this Christian ministry called Peacemakers. And Um, And it's such a huge need that can just, all of these can be expanded into greater experiences, greater ministries. If I could summarize the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was giving his sermon on a mountaintop. That's how it got that name. There are certain themes all throughout this particular segment that we're reading today. And one of them is purity. Purity. 
One word, but very powerful. The men in our church, we've been doing the Conqueror series. One of the themes that we keep coming back to is he who has the greatest purity has the greatest influence. Jesus demonstrated that. He was sinless. And he has had the greatest influence all throughout history, through all generations. We all desire to live for something more than ourselves. We want to be able to influence those around us for good, at least our friends and our family. In order to do that, if you want to be blessed in that way, then purity is necessary. The second theme that we read in this passage is humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. Pride is what made Satan fall. Pride is what Satan tempts us to receive and to live in it. There's a, there's a whole teaching, like I said, these all can be expanded. There's a whole teaching, the book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Another very good book I highly recommend. The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. He talks about how Satan will tempt us to be offended. And you can only be offended if you have pride. We're also offended when we have high expectations and somebody doesn't meet those expectations. And the higher the expectation we have of whoever it is, the greater the offense. So if a stranger on the road says something that you don't like, ah, who cares? I don't know him. Not going to see him again. But what if it's somebody that's very important to you and they say the same thing? Then it's like, oh, that really hurts. John Bevere in his book, he's saying, don't take the bait. Don't get offended. The only way we can do that is to humble ourselves. You know, things happen around us all the time. There's offense everywhere. But if we're humble and we say to ourselves before God, Lord, actually, I'm no better than that person. In fact, the truth is, if I'm honest with myself, I have done worse than that. And when we're honest with ourselves and come to this place of humility, then we're less likely to be offended. Humility is a key to being able to walk through life without getting triggered everywhere we go. And then the last one is being a peacemaker. You know, peacemaking is a slippery slope. It's a hard thing to do. You're dealing with relationships. They're very complex. And because it's a hard thing to do, sometimes we will be tempted to go to one of two extremes. We will either fake it. It's called peace faking. Or we get upset and we're like, nobody's going to treat me that way. And we get into peace breaking. There's peace faking, peace breaking, but God wants us to be involved in peacemaking. And there's, there's a whole lot there that scripture has to unpack for us and reveal about peacemaking. So, in summary, the big idea is this. Blessings rest on those who receive the character of Christ. Blessings rest on peacemakers who are pure in heart and humble in attitude. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, your words are eternal. They apply yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Lord, here we are today. Father, we are placing ourselves under you and under your word. And Holy Spirit, as we prayed in the beginning, would you be our teacher? 
would you be our revealer? And as you're praying in the privacy of your heart and mind, I want you to just ask the Lord God, what are you saying to me through the words of Jesus? Through this message that he gave, what is your message to me? And if you would take a moment to quietly just listen, just connect with God in your heart, because in one way or another, this touches on your life. Just ask the Lord, how is that? Lord, how does this apply to me? And as the Lord shows that to you, I want you to take a moment to respond to him. It doesn't have to be the, quote, correct answer. God just wants you to relate with him. You might be in a struggle. You might be in the process. Just talk to him about what that is. Invite him into the process. Let him help you in your journey. thank you for what you're revealing. God, I thank you for how you're at work in our lives. I pray for each person here that you're speaking to. I ask God that you would continue to bring clarity and that you would complete what you've begun and that you would allow each person to find how to experience living a blessed life as we respond in faith to your leading. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I'm here now. I'm making this decision. I realize I need you. Today I'm making a conscious choice to open up my life, to open up my mind, the innermost part of my being. God, I ask you to come into my life with your spirit, with your Holy Spirit, and I ask you to forgive me for every single thing I have done wrong, anything I've done to hurt somebody or myself, most of all, my relationship with you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for what he did for me on the cross. He took my place, and I receive your payment, your forgiveness for me. And so right now, if you're praying this prayer, I want to invite you just to receive God's spirit, his spirit of forgiveness. It's for you. Even if this isn't your first time, if you're needing forgiveness, I want to invite you to receive it. It's for you. This is the very thing that he died on the cross for. Just to let it come in and wash away guilt, wash away any condemnation or any shame take all the bad feeling away, God, I ask that you would cleanse your people here now and remove the effect of sin. Father, we just place ourselves under the waterfall of your love. We ask your Holy Spirit to blow through us and cleanse us from darkness and fill us with your light and your love and restore us to your original design. And Lord, for those who are praying this prayer for the first time, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them and give them a new start. And Lord, show them how to live the blessed life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.